Hey, Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. Hello, Popcorn Society listeners. It is me, again, Troy, introducing the podcast, giving Bryn a week off. Even though he's still here, it's not technically a week off. He just gets to rest for an extra 30 seconds while I introduce the podcast. And we are on number 11. Bryn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Troy. Um, It's not today. It's actually nighttime right now. It's late. I'm recovering from the day of work and kids and all that stuff. But Popcorn Society energizes me, man. This is my favorite part of the day. One of my favorite parts of the day. So I'm doing good. Good intro, by the way. I mean, those 30 seconds that I get there, it's a nice little break. I'm glad. I'm doing well. You know, it's Monday. For us, it is Thanksgiving week. By the time this goes out, it's going to be past Thanksgiving for our listeners. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to relaxing this week. I only have one more day of work and then I have the rest of the week off. So I'm actually feeling really good. That's great. I think I should let you know. um, I mean, maybe you know, but our listeners know we actually have a special guest with us today. Please welcome to Popcorn Society, our guest speaker, Mrs. Aaron Mercado. Aaron, how you doing? Snaps. Oh, I think Snaps. Hello, everybody. Hello. For those of you who don't know, Aaron is my better half. We are married uh, a little over seven years and happily married and have two kids. Yeah, she's a Popcorn Society listener, maybe our number one fan. I am a listener. I might be. <laughs> Aaron might be married to Bryn, but I can say that I've known Aaron longer than Bryn has. True story. Yes, that yes. is a true statement. You've known Aaron a long time, longer than I. Yes, so and Aaron I, and Troy go back, way back. Yes, and I love that you two have bonded over movies and have decided to do your little fledgling podcast, and it just warms my heart. One of my what? best guy friends is best friends with my husband. Oh, so. so sweet. Fledgling, though. What, what is that, like a compliment? <laughs> fledgling. You mean like our wildly successful <laughs> blossoming? Like a baby bird. <laughs> just push you off the ledge yes she's gonna push us out of the nest one of these days <laughs> exactly question though for aaron just to give our listeners a little background though what what's your take on on movies in general do you like movies like what's your favorite kind of movies uh, how, how do you relate to uh our podcast here i love movies i don't really like that stay with you and i mean that in the sense of scary movies i i don't enjoy scary movies that much I enjoy more of the rom-coms, comedies. Thrillers are okay if I watch them in the day. I get scared of the dark, so no <laughs> horror movies for me Yeah, <laughs> 5 p.m. We don't watch a lot of horror movies. She does enjoy those rom-coms, and I, I make her watch some of the guy movies, more the... Rocky. Yeah, the Rockies. But you do enjoy those popcorn blockbuster flicks, like the, the Marvel films and the ones oh, that take you course. to, right? Yes. And she yes. loves popcorn, too. More than anybody. <laughs> yeah, you both can attest to my love of popcorn. Very uh, true. And you are a very big Twilight fan. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was another lifetime ago, maybe. <laughs> and now I you see know, the light. It wasn't very good. I see the Twilight. Um, I always remember the story, and Aaron knows because I always love to tell this story, <laughs> because we went to go see a Twilight movie, and it was the third one, right? Mm-hmm. Is and that uh, Breaking Heart? No, Breaking Breaking Dawn. Breaking, breaking Dawn is, is breaking the Clips. last movie. New Heart. It was. It's called Eclipse. Okay. <laughs> but my story I love to tell is that Aaron, you tell it about the Eclipse. Oh, well, during the time this was coming out, I had an Android. Go figure. And hey, I have an Android. Exactly. An Android or a BlackBerry. The... <laughs> The, no, no, this was before the BlackBerry, oh, okay. but I had like the worst possible Android on the market and it, would it just, was pretty bad. It would just die on me and say, not today. I'm not, I'm not phoning today, but it would also autocorrect. And it's like, I can't wait for tonight. I'm so excited for Eclipse, but my Android autocorrected it to Eclipse for some reason. <laughs> So that was that was one funny story. And then the next one, I think you're waiting for this is uh, we were celebrating Bart's 21st birthday at the same time. So we he didn't willingly come. We bought him a ticket and he came, got him a little liquored up because it was his 21st birthday. We got him a little too liquored up 
halfway through the movie, I think he was in full panic mode trying to find the bathroom in a dark theater and Troy was sitting next to him. Troy was starting to have an anxiety attack looking at Bart, <laughs> but he was basically just looking for an exit, a quick exit. But um, I didn't know what he was doing. He just was yeah. kept looking around and I was sitting and I was like, what is happening with Bart? And I could see a little bit of sweat forming on his forehead. So. <laughs> Beads of sweat. Yes. I thought, what is he like? Is he looking for a bomber? Is he what's going on here? Do you think there's an active shooter in this theater? I had no idea. But then yeah. he finally like got up and left it. But and he was gone for a good five, ten minutes. He so had the business he to take lunch, care huh? of. Yeah. yeah. I almost wish I was gone for ten minutes of that movie. <laughs> You should have just pretended you were sick, maybe. Yeah. I should have. Well, Probably. I think Eclops made me a little sick. So. How does the phone autocorrect to Eclops? It's not even a real word. That's what I'm saying. This was... Your phone is that bad. Yeah. It, no, auto I... it to words that don't, don't exist. I think she just typed in Eclops. No, no. And she keeps saying it was autocorrect. That's her thing. That's her story. That's her story. She's sticking oh, with she's, it. She's sticking with it. Yeah, that is my wow. story because it's the truth. Well, we're glad to have Aaron here, of course. And, you know, we love Aaron. She can come on anytime she wants. No. The, okay, not anytime. Maybe not for Die Hard, uh, but for any other time, you maybe can come on. The reason she's here is because uh, we are talking about the one and only summer hit movie that requires a feminine touch, Barbie. I've had requests, actually, from Popcorn Society listeners to do this movie multiple times. Yeah. Wait, we actually have female listeners other than Aaron? It was okay. not Aaron. Yeah. Um, it's one of our neighbors. She's like, when you doing Barbie, when you doing Barbie. And there was <laughs> another time, I forget who it was, but it's a separate person, uh, our third listener. And <laughs> that was also a request for Barbie. So we are a podcast for the people. We are going to deliver Barbie to you today. Give the people what they want. And bring in a, a female feminine touch because it's yep. only appropriate. Yes, we need to bring the uh, the extra X chromosome perspective in. Happy to be your girl. Happy to be our Popcorn Society girl. You know, before we kind of talk about the movie, though, I had a question for both Troy and Aaron, a little bit on the topic of Barbie. Did you have Barbies growing up? I don't know if I ever asked you that question. Of course, most boys don't have Barbies. Some do, which is totally fine. But I didn't grow up with Barbies. I knew what Barbies were. I had, I don't know, different action figures like G.I. Joe's and things like that. But what's your experience with Barbie if you're growing up as a, a little girl? Did you have Barbies? I I don't remember having Barbies. Okay. So you were in a Barbie girl. I might have had in a Barbie one. world. Okay. In my entire one, okay. But I don't remember playing with Barbies. I remember like Cabbage Patch. Cabbage Patch. Uh -huh. uh, what other toys did you have? So you didn't have Barbie. What'd you have? Anything else? Just dolls. Stuffed animals. Stuffy. She just she just played with two rocks. Just mm -hmm. tennis rackets. I would bang them together. <laughs> yeah, six um, paper box. Fun fact: I had guinea pigs growing up, so I think I was playing with the pets for most of my childhood. Were you dressing the oh, guinea yes. pigs up in Barbie clothes? I was not, but good idea. Lipstick? Yeah. yeah I was what were the guinea pigs' names? The names. Well, there were two sets. So the first set we inherited from family friends, and I think we renamed them Scarlet and Kimberly. So Scarlet, I don't know, after Scarlet O'Hara, maybe <laughs> she was she was like auburn and silky smooth, and then the other one is Kimberly after Kimberly the Pink Ranger, the Pink Power Ranger. Of course. And then the second set was Pepper and Coco. Pepper and Coco. Pepper All right. And Coco. Interesting. So you weren't a Barbie person. Troy, did you have Barbies? What was your uh, toy of choice growing up? Or what do you remember from your, from your childhood? I didn't have, and I don't want it to sound like I was, you know, grew up in poverty, but I didn't have a whole lot of toys growing up. We, Just rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my brothers, we mostly played outside with each other. I guess my baby brother was my toy. I would kind of punch him and put him throw in him, poses. Throw and, him around the room. Yeah. Yeah. Is that his hair weird? Yes. And, and, you know, threw him off the roof or at least entice him to jump off the roof. I do recall, you know, watching commercials on TV and coveting toys. I didn't have a lot of money. My family didn't have a lot of money, so we would never get those toys. But I do remember being envious of the neighborhood kids who had, you know, the G.I. Joes and, and Legos and things like that. I don't feel deprived in any way growing up because I didn't have a lot of toys. But uh, I definitely knew what Barbie was because it was on TV all the time, the commercials for them. And it seemed like school during Christmas time that everything that every girl in my class wanted was a new Barbie doll. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys would talk about G.I. Joe's and the girls would talk about their Barbies. Yeah. Well, I don't think I had 
I didn't have Barbies either. Maybe a few GI Joes. I wasn't really into like Legos as some kids were. I wasn't, I was not into remote control cars as some kids were. I don't know. Maybe I was just more into video games. I don't remember the toys I had. I do remember Cabbage Patch Kids. I had a mm-hmm. couple of those. I you had I, a Cabbage Patch Kid? Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a that, picture of him holding that, a Cabbage Patch. Oh, you've seen the picture. That explains a lot. Yeah. 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 And I did have a Teddy Ruxpin. I do remember that. Oh, I remember Teddy Ruxpin. Video recorder in in its back Mm -hmm. that talked to you. Yeah, you put the little cassette in the back. Yeah. And then his mouth would move like Mm -hmm. the animatronic. It was pretty old. It was cool. It was was high tech at the time. It talked to you. Mm. Yeah. And it read books to you. Yeah. Some of us were Barbie people. I mean, we're not qualified to talk about this movie after all, but we're going to do it anyways. How about that? How about that? I'm, I'm down. How about that? <laughs> well, that was our segue into, uh, you know, a weak one at best, but uh, our segue into our film of the day, Barbie. I will talk about a little, the cast, the crew, all that good stuff. So it came out this summer. Was it, what, June, July, uh, in that range? Directed by Greta Gerwig. And Greta Gerwig, I didn't know this until I looked her up today or for research purposes, Born in 1983, which is the same year I was born. So I like that connection. And she's also from Sacramento, California, which is Central Valley of California. I'm also from the Central Valley. It's not central. It's It's called the Central Valley. San Joaquin Valley. She's from the San Joaquin Valley in California. And Bakersfield is on the southern San Joaquin Valley. So we're both, you know, from the Valley of California. Not like the Valley, like Sherman Oaks Valley, like the real Valley of California. That's the valley. So maybe I have a connection to Greta Gerwig just because we're the same age, kind of in the same type of town, Sacramento, Bakersfield, similar. But that could be debated. She does have some background here. She came off success of directing Lady Bird in 2017 and Little Women in 2019. I did not see Little Women, but uh, I do remember seeing Lady Bird with with Aaron and that got some some acclaim. I think it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, we saw it. Maybe you were sleeping. Did you? You don't remember that? Lady Bird? Anything? No, she doesn't remember it. Troy, did you see Lady Bird a little while? Oh, loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I've been a Greta Gerwig fan pretty much since I saw Hannah Takes the Stairs. TV show? So that's No, it's, it's a movie. It's an early movie. It was, oh, was done she by Joe. Jo- she was an actress in it. Okay. I think she, well, that's the thing. Her Those early films that she did with like Joe Swanberg and the Duplass brothers and Noah Baumbach, who she still collaborates and, you know, they're partners in real life. The Mumble Core uh, group, as the media has called them. So a lot of the, her early films, those films that they did were highly, highly improvised. They would mm-hmm. just have a basic structure plot no real script and they would just go in and say like okay this is the situation and they would make up their lines as they filmed so hannah takes the stairs was probably my first introduction to that which narratively it's different you kind of have to be into that kind of thing because it's a very loose structure the the plot is very very loose if you're looking for some sort of you know overarching theme or um, a message there's you're really not going to find one it's more just about snippets of life or situations that's put on film but i did really enjoy hannah takes the stairs and then you know i i started watching more of um joe swanberg stuff and and the duplass brothers and I think the next film of hers that I saw, I did see her in Baghead. At this point, she was mostly an actress. Mostly but, an actress first before right. a successful and then director. Francis Ha, which she did with Noah Baumbach, who directed, but they both wrote it as well. It seemed like every movie she kind of did since her early days were more of a traditional, cohesive story with a script. And Francis Ha was still, a lot of it was improvised, but it kind of had more of a story to it, more of a um, plot line. And I really enjoyed that movie. And I just liked, I always liked her take on things. The the movies that she was in, that she did herself were, you know, just interesting, almost still lifes of, of real life. When I heard she was doing Barbie, you know, right off the success of Little Women, which I loved, you know, I also loved Lady Bird kind of had mixed feelings about it because, you know, her stuff before was pretty unconventional and Little Women was probably up to that point, her most conventional film with with a budget, a really structured script, although Lady Bird was as well. Barbie is kind of the pinnacle of a blockbuster movie, right? It's It was a summer release, it had a budget, which none of her movies really had much of a big budget. 
but this right. one had a huge budget and a lot of attention. I was glad that I thought Greta Gerwig could do Barbie some justice and she could bring a another sensibility to it. And it wouldn't just be a big commercial, which was kind of what I was thinking it was going to be when I originally heard they were doing the movie until I heard that Greta Gerwig was attached. It's like, okay, she's not going to make it a, just a giant commercial. Right. It, but uh, yeah, I, I really do love Greta Gerwig. I love her as an actress. I love her as a director and as a screenwriter. So yeah, um, she's on the, she's on the rise. I mean, I, I do like it when directors get their feet wet, maybe like a, their own independent movie. Then they do another more of a, a popular, larger scale indie movie that gets a lot of uh, awards, like a Lady Bird type movie. And they keep gradually going up. And before you know it, they're getting a big budget Hollywood film because they deserve it. They've done well with what they've been given so given so far. She actually has more projects coming. I think she's doing a Narnia project. I don't know if it's for TV or film, uh, theatrical film. It's actually, I think, for Netflix. For Netflix? Okay. Yes. But you can see the progression and the, the success that she's having, which is, which is great to see. Let's talk about the cast a little bit before we dive into the movie further. Playing Barbie, of course, or stereotypical Barbie, as she's known in the film, is Margot Robbie. Her Ken is Ryan Gosling. Uh, we also have Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie. Um, a lot of Barbies in this film. Uh, America Ferreira is not a Barbie. She plays somebody from the real world named Gloria. And her daughter is played by Ariana Greenblatt. Her name is Sasha in the movie. Other Kens in the movie are Simu Liu. We all know Simu from the Marvel universe as the uh the one and only shang chi kingsley ben adir i also liked him he didn't have a huge part in this this movie as a ken but uh you know he's from the marvel universe as well he just recently was in secret invasion which Troy and i talked about michael sarah always noticeable when he pops up in films he was an alan just one of ken's friends and will ferrell found his way into this movie as the mattel ceo i feel like will ferrell even when he's not the headlining actor he finds his way into movies like this where he's like the secret boss or he has some kind of yeah. funny character like the Lego movie, you know, where he just pops up in the end or he's, you know, one of the, the guys in there. So Will Ferrell is kind of funny That's in this cool. movie. He's always a good time. Aaron, any thoughts on any of the, any of the actors or that I mentioned? What, what do you like? Dislike any kind of thoughts on Margot or fresh. Brian? On paper, it's a fresh cast because I'm looking at the paper right now. Yeah. Fresh like... cast. <laughs> like fresh, like in Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh cast? Yeah. Like okay. all of these names are pretty current, pretty popular, mm -hmm. and everybody loves Ryan Gosling. Ryan, and... when, I, when I say Ryan Gosling, what's the first movie that comes to your mind? Notebook. Notebook. All right. All right. Of course. Roy, what about you? Ryan Gosling. First movie comes to mind. He's going to say. Drive, probably. Oh, that's what you're going to say. Ah. Crazy Stupid Love? La La Land, yeah. La La Land. Crazy Stupid Love. I He kind of, yeah, very good role in that one. Be better than The Gap. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him in that movie. La La Land, love that movie. Yeah, he is great. He's great. What about Margot Robbie? I mean, I think of, she's also at the peak of her success. I mean, she's in everything these days and just making tons of money. I'm sure she was just in uh, Suicide Squad or both mm -hmm. of those films in, in DC. She was in Wolf of Wall Street, just to name a few. But man, she could probably pick and choose whatever movie she wants. She is on top of Hollywood right now. I like Margot Robbie. I think Margot Robbie, when they announced the cast, Margot Robbie as Barbie and Ryan Gosling as Ken, I think most of America was like, well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was the cast of the movie. We have a lot more to dive into here, but I think before we go any further, Troy, you know what time it is. It's time for the popcorn plot. We need to tell our listeners or give them a foundation of like, okay, what's this movie about? What is Barbie about? Just like the quick and easy. Don't drag it out like two minutes like Troy does or two and a half minutes. You know, I did that one once. What? And, and I'm getting flack for it. So you know when what? You go I'm, over. You go way over. I'm not doing the popcorn plot this week, okay? You're not doing it, and I'm not doing it because I'm not a girl. I'm not a Barbie. So I, I think it's only appropriate that our guest speaker, Aaron, does the ever-so-famous popcorn plot for Barbie, which is she has to give us the plot in 60 seconds or less. I told her about this. I think she's prepared for it. Are you ready to do the popcorn well, plot, Well, I hope I don't screw it up. I've watched the movie twice, so I, I should have it down. Okay. So we'll see. So imagine that nobody has seen this movie. I mean, our listeners, some have, some haven't, I'm sure. But you're going to be in the clock here. Troy, do you have the timer ready to go? I do. You do. All right. Why don't you uh, count us down and Aaron will do the popcorn plot, folks. Okay, Aaron, you ready? Mm -hmm. I'm going <laughs> to count you down. Three, two, one, 
Go. In the beginning, there were only dolls, and girls were meant to be mothers to the dolls. But then came Barbie and Barbie Land, and girls could be anything they wanted to be. They could be a flight attendant. They could be a musician. They could be a teacher or a pilot. They could be anything. And they made it. They staged Barbie Land as a land for the women. And the Kens were the side piece. And the Kens were good with that. And then all of a sudden, stereotypical Barbie starts malfunctioning because something is going on in the real world with her owner and starting to rub off on her. So Weird Barbie, played by Kate McKinnon, tells her she needs to go to the real world to figure out who this person is and fix it all better. And she goes and the real world isn't like Barbie land. And Ken goes too. And he loves the real world and takes the real world and its patriarchy back to Barbie land and turns it to Ken. <laughs> Kendom. Kendom. Mojo Dojo Casa House. And Barbie is is slowly coming back to Barbie land. She brings her, her real world um, sidekicks played by America Ferreira and her daughter. Where am I on time? Oh, God. And, You're good. You're good. and Keep going. They, they realize what Ken has done to Barbie land, and they say, F the patriarchy. And they plan with all the Barbies who have been brainwashed to take back Barbie land. And they do, because they can be whatever they want to be. Yeah. Time, Troy. What do we got there? We have one He's minute over. and 53 seconds. No, are you serious? Yeah, it goes yes. by fast, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was two minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, still shorter than Troy's attempt last episode. But, but uh, yeah, first timer. Well, I guess first you timer. Know. You know what? Really, I think you did a good job. I think you summarized the movie really well, Aaron. Yes. For did I, did it, I catch a, a, a fix it all better in there? Did you say I something? Did say fix it all better. Because I was to, thinking about she has the to fix it all better. <laughs> yeah. Well, you two are parents of two young boys, so you, you're doing parent it talk right sense. now. Yeah, that's totally fine. We, we mess up words all the time, but I, I just do remember the fix it all better. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that one I'm have to use it. But good job. Good job in the popcorn plot. She she got the gist of it. I mean, she started off so like a like a Bible verse, like in the beginning. There was yes. Adam and Eve. Troy, uh, any thoughts on the, the plot? Did she miss any, anything, any gaping holes there? You know, you mentioned how she did like in the beginning, which is almost exactly how the movie starts. And I thought, oh, is she just going to do the whole movie? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, two hours, guys. I think she hit all the rel relevant points of the movie. I think she did she a did. great job. Thank you, Aaron. Good job. Mm. You can go now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we still need that feminine perspective. We okay. do. Uh, let me ask you guys this one or, or bring this point up. I mean, this movie was huge. It made $1.4 billion with a B dollars this summer. It came out the same weekend as Oppenheimer, which we did, I think our first episode of Popcorn Society was on Oppenheimer. It was like a double feature weekend. And that movie also did amazing. I think it brought in around 942 million or, or more than that. So it was wildly successful. Barbie was a huge hit. I mean, $1.4 billion, that's, that's crazy numbers. But my question is, and this will kind of broach, you know, our discussion a little bit. <clears throat> Did it do this well because it was such an amazing film or is it more of just the right movie at the right time and it was a quote unquote cultural phenomenon? I remember hearing or reading that Tim Burton actually says this about his first Batman film. Uh, 89. Obviously, that, that movie was huge, but he didn't he didn't think it was that good of a movie. Tim Burton says he says the reason it did so well is because it was more of a cultural phenomenon not some amazing film so do you think this is similar in the case that it's not an amazing or like super oscar worthy film best of all time but it's just like a phenomenon barbie just took over the summer of 2023 with oppenheimer yeah it was kind of like taylor swift and i didn't get all the hype i over I could, it was very overhyped well marketed in comparison to oppenheimer and the name i think they had the cast they had the two headliners they had the name and they had the marketing and that just sold it. Okay. Didn't have to do much after so that. You think overhyped. A couple of giggles. Uh, do you think it's a good movie? Just a good movie? I think it's not a good movie. It's a good movie. It's okay. I wouldn't like, I watched it twice because I had to. Yeah. And you saw it in theaters. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Troy. Wait, 
Aaron, did you say it was overhyped like Taylor Swift? I just want to make sure. Are you talking yeah. about Taylor Swift in the NFL or Taylor Swift in the Eras Tour? Eras Tour. Oh, but you didn't see the Eras Tour. It's actually it was actually pretty good. Yeah, Troy did see it. You can speak. It on was that. actually amazing. <laughs> so that was properly hyped. And I think yeah, I think I mean, you would have thought so too. Okay, it, I will add to that. Okay. I just think it was hitted to the point where we're blue in the face and like no one I'm not going to pay whatever $1,400 for a nosebleed ticket to see Taylor Swift do what you got to do ladies but I'm sure it was a uh, the show talking to Taylor Swift now it was phenomenal you saw Taylor Swift are you are you of the school of thought that Taylor Swift was also phenomenal but that was properly hyped worth every penny but you are where on Barbie? On um, Barbie, I was surprised. I I don't think anybody expected Barbie to make one point four billion dollars. There, none of the experts had it on the top of the the charts. I think everybody agreed it was going to be a top ten movie, but nobody thought it was going to make the money that it did. But I think it is a cultural phenomenon because I guarantee you, there's a lot of parents that took their five six year olds to see it, and this movie probably went over their head. the The parents probably enjoyed it more than the five six year olds. Probably. So yeah. it almost went over my head. I'm right. 40. So, you know, with the whole um, Barbenheimer, is that Barb? Barb? Barbenheimer. Bar Barbenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> is that what they're calling it? Yeah. You know, yeah. and people were dressing up. I mean, it was a cultural event. People were dressing up for this. Like Taylor and, Swift. Well, yeah, but that's that's to be expected, almost, right? Taylor Swift has a following, and I I get that Barbie 50s. does as well, but I don't think anybody thought this movie was going to make as much money as it did. I'm and wondering if it, if, if it wasn't with Oppenheimer, if it would have made as much money, or do you think the two of them combined just created some kind of like entity that was just, you know, took over the box office for a month or two? I actually think Oppenheimer benefited from the whole Barbenheimer thing. Okay. Because so, yeah. Okay. I, I think there was going to be more people that were going to see Barbie than Oppenheimer. Obviously, the Christopher Nolan fans were going to see Oppenheimer, but Oppenheimer, the subject matter is not a lot of people know who Robert Oppenheimer was. Nobody liked that subject matter. People don't like yeah. to think about, you it's know, kind of dark. The, the, yeah. It, yeah. It's about, it's about death, basically. So <laughs> I, th I actually think Oppenheimer benefited from the fact that it was writing on the coattails of Barbie and people were seeing it as a double feature, you know, and then you would have men and women who were going together and the women were dressing up in pink and as Barbie and the men were dressing up as Oppenheimer, which is, you know, flat hair and tweed. Definitely think that Oppenheimer was more the beneficiary of But also the that. better film, I think. It was the better film, but better film. I, I think was Aaron, very surprised. I think would have fallen asleep, though, in, in Oppenheimer. I don't think she's going to fall well, asleep. I want to watch it. Okay, she'll watch it, but I I, I guarantee uh, Oppenheimer is totally different than Barbie, so maybe it's good that they're kind of like opposite films on the same weekend. You know, you can kind of pick each one. You know, you want to go see Oppenheimer, then get like uh, depressed, then go get lifted <laughs> up by, by Barbie in the same weekend. Pretty cool. I don't things. know. Barbie is a little bit depressing as well. <laughs> I, I, guess I, could, I could see that. I think also in today's age, it's almost the perfect storm because I think social media is a big factor in the success of Barbie and also to Taylor Swift for a large uh, extent. Because I can't tell you how many people I saw in my social media feeds on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't do um, what's the other one? TikTok. TikTok. But yeah, I think it was more about people are taking pictures and posting about I'm at Barbie, I'm at Barbie, I'm with my daughter, I'm at Barbie. And like that kind of like it, Hi, it, it, it became more of like it was a popular thing to do and to be seen doing that, like made the film make money. You know what I'm saying? Social media was a huge part of its success. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole Barbenheimer thing, I think, started from a social media tweet or somebody said they were going to do this. And that's what started that whole craze. Mm -hmm. So it's it's undeniable that social media is a huge influencer now with movies and, and they can almost determine the success or failure of a movie. It's, it's kind of scary. As a matter of fact, I don't like that type of influence on it. The, the studios are going to pick up on it. I mean, obviously, this trend made both those movies very successful. But I also think that social media can be very damaging to a movie for the wrong reasons, you know, where people aren't just tweeting that it's a bad movie, but they might have their own agenda. And if they get enough people to follow it, that a movie can do poorly, even though it's a great movie, because, you know, social media is 
convincing people not to go see it or that it's a bad movie. They have their own agenda. Yeah. I like there's this whole thing about social media in general that kind of bugs me that it's like whether it's going to a movie or going to like Disneyland or going to like a restaurant, it's you don't really care that much about the movie or you don't care that much about Disneyland or the restaurant, but you care more about being seen and posting that you are at this movie or at this restaurant. And it makes places like overly crowded because people are just shallow. <laughs> 100%. You know what I'm saying? People are sheep. Mm-hmm. Kind of like sheepish. Yeah. Again, I'm not like anti-social media, but I'm anti-sheep I'm anti for sure. Don't just do something because you want to be seen doing it. Do it because you enjoy it. You want to go. You want to be there. Not because you, oh, I need to post because I'm here. You know, leave that for the people who actually want to be there. Don't just post it because you want to add to your feed. I don't know. Do I sound like an old man in the room here? No, no. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, you're not the oldest man in the room or on the podcast. If these things happen organically, like, like the original Harry Potter, the midnight book shows right at Barnes and Noble or wherever, when, when the book was coming out, the book, the books, the book 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 open, right. It seemed like those were organic. I mean, that was before social media as well. And those just was word of mouth. It was a very popular movement. People were dressing up and, and, but I just felt like that happened organically. That was more natural. And people were doing it because they thoroughly enjoyed the books and they wanted to do that. And that has to be the case because like I said, that was before social media, before uh, Facebook was, was huge and things like that. So when people now just tend to, you know, they, they follow certain people on social media and whatever they say, or they say like, Hey, we're doing this. And, yeah, people are sheeple and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And it really, people. all right, yeah. sheeple, I heard that. They just do it because they want to be cool and want to be like they're the influencers that they're following and not out of any genuine liking of, right, of the, you know, the, the subject or the film or the book. They're just doing it because that's what other people are doing. They're sheeple. Mm, like yeah, I'm going to take away that sheeple from this podcast mm-hmm. and to fix it all better. You're going to fix it all better with the, <laughs> the sheeple. <laughs> but that's my point I want to make about maybe the success of this movie. It, it, it was still take all that stuff out. It was a decent movie, I guess. I was a little surprised. Uh, like it was kind of a outside the box type of film, like the way it was shot and like the plot and no pun intended no pun intended i don't, I don't do outside plans. the box certainly outside the box yeah get in the box jezebel get in the box <laughs> but like that was, that was will farrow's best line <laughs> yeah <laughs> get in the box jezebel i guess it did it did take like a such a materialistic doll of a, a figure like barbie and it really gave it a lot of meaning and heart and layers layers yeah layers it gave a lot of layers which you wouldn't think of a barbie movie but i do appreciate the take on it i just don't think it was super duper fun and enjoyable as it could have been or should have okay been. can i go i'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant okay on All what right. i on my thoughts about this movie. I, I want you to, I want to, yes. I want to hear it. Hear yes. It and then I want Aaron to kind of weigh in on this as Ooh. the female perspective of this. Do it. Okay. So first this maybe unfairly, I'm comparing this movie to the Lego movie and not in regards to subject matter, but into regards of spirit, right? The Lego movie, which I loved, I thought was a fantastic movie. But one of the things that I loved about other than the fact that it was a good story is that I, and I read an article where, the Lego Corporation, when they tapped Chris Miller into doing this film, they wanted to bring across the spirit of Legos, that spirit of creativity, that spirit of imagination. And they wanted that to be in the movie. They wanted that to be the message of the movie. And I think they did a great job of encompassing and representing what Legos are. And they told the movie through the perspective of a child who just enjoys building things. And the antagonist of that movie is the child's father, right? Will Ferrell. And his, it's just story. The whole movie is just how this kid sees Legos and how he sees, he's going against what his dad sees as Legos, which his dad has lost that creativity. He just wants Legos to be super glued together and static. And the kid's like, no, I, I want to do whatever I want to. I'm not going to necessarily follow the box. And, you know, I'm going to get the this everyman to kind of represent that. And he creates a story. And I thought it was just very clever how they did that. Because the whole film is framed from the, the boy's point of view, right? Even the sound effects and, you know, it's kind of cheesy, which I just thought, oh, they're doing this to appeal to little kids. But it's like, no, it's being told from the perspective of a little kid. 
which I thought was great. That's, you know, it wasn't just a giant commercial, even though it was, but I felt like the Lego movie really encompassed the spirit of what Legos are. Mm -hmm. You kind of get my meaning for that Mm -hmm. or what I, right. So then Barbie, and I knew because Greta Gerwig was going to, was doing it, that it was not going to be just a giant, you know, shill for, to sell more Barbie dolls. And they kind of touched on it, I think, because Barbie's been around for a long time. And it's, it's, you know, it's got a lot of people that a lot of feminists that don't agree with Barbie or what Barbie represents. But then there are a lot of things that when Barbie first came out, and other than the stereotypical Barbie, you know, it was, hey, little girls can be astronauts, they can be president, they can be Supreme Court justices. But also with stereotypical Barbie, it's like, oh, but this is how the that most i guess the patriarchy sees women right that they're slim they're beautiful they have blonde hair they love to shop they want the dream house they want the car and i thought it was kind of touched on there's that scene where barbie goes to who she thinks is her owner and it's really the daughter of america and the daughter kind of goes on that little rant about barbie saying like oh you're bad for for little girls you know you misrepresent us and you know and i thought oh this is great maybe they're going to touch on that and kind of explore that and they don't really they kind of actually her mom kind of gives a speech a little bit later about what it's like to be a woman in a patriarchy but it doesn't necessarily explain like Barbie's role in that. And I wish we that could have touched a little more on that, you know, kind of explaining like, yes, Barbie's very popular, but there's also, because what they say is kind of true. You know, it's Barbie's got a very specific look. And for the longest time, Barbie was white and blonde. And then they did, you know, start to make her a little bit more inclusive. The main thrust of the movie, like, Aaron explained in the the popcorn plot is, you know, Ken kind of bringing patriarchy to Barbie land, which is Barbie land is very much run by the Barbies. And Ken brings patriarchy there because he thinks it's super cool. He's like, oh, look at this. I'm respected in the real world. Whereas in Barbie land, I'm just an attachment. You know, I'm an accessory. It became more of how the patriarchy is, you know, very dominant in society and how patriarchy sees women which is a fine story to tell as well and they kind of wrap it into a barbie thing but i i would have enjoyed i think expected more of the let's represent what barbie is in the real world and what she is as a toy you know and how that kind of like mixes together does that make sense what i'm kind of saying and i'm talking about barbie as a toy like how adults see barbie as a toy how kids see barbie as a toy because i think they're two kind you know different things yeah. And I, I would have liked to have seen how that merged together, as opposed to it being more about, oh, patriarchy and Ken kind of taking over Barbie land, which was great. The, overall, I did enjoy the movie. I didn't think the movie was bad. I, I don't think the third act is a little bit weak, I think. You know, I think the mm-hmm. resolution with the whole, oh, let's distract Ken and then we'll just pass our own laws again and make Barbie land what it was before. That was kind of ham-fisted, a little bit weak ending. I think there was a lot of good points that were made in the movie it was there were definitely some very funny lines and the dance numbers and and the fighting sequences i thought were hilarious and very very good so overall it was a, a very enjoyable movie and i also understand that hey i think mattel knew that well there's going to be little kids coming to this movie parents could be bringing you know smaller children and we can't make it too deep and too heavy i think one thing i liked about the lego movie is that even though it was probably written and intended for a younger audience adults could get into it as well i think more adults in, appreciated a lot of the humor in lego movie and thought it was a great movie but it also had enough things that kept kids occupied as well. Yeah. And I was also animated. Big difference there. But I see your point. True. You know, kids but... could watch it. I don't think Barbie would be as enjoyable for kids as much. No. I, I think a um, lot you know, of kids the probably wouldn't, wouldn't watch it a lot with their parents. But uh, but yeah. So what was your question for Aaron, though? Uh, great. So you, as a woman. You, right. You said you didn't play with Barbies a lot, but just the idea of Barbie. How do you feel about the image that Barbie, Mattel will tell you Barbie's very empowering, right? Because it teaches yeah. kids that they can be anything. But Barbie's also, especially when she first came out, was very stereotypical and she looked a certain way and only certain people could relate to Barbie. How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think the latter 
resonates more with me because I didn't have that many. So naturally, I only remember the stereotypical Barbie being available and you can just dress her differently. Maybe Skipper. I don't remember any of the Skipper other... was discontinued. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody bought Skipper. Um, yes. But... Nobody likes you, Booster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just like maybe I didn't have an interest because she didn't have dark hair or right. And any... you being yeah, you being half Asian as mm-hmm. much you like yeah. she didn't represent what it was for you to be a young girl. Yeah, I couldn't relate. I guess I to bring it back to the movie, it was fine. It was enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I don't I agree with you that they like they put a lot of focus on Ken and I don't really enjoy that part of the movie that much like let's yeah let's focus on more of the how it empowers women in the real world and I also think it did lose steam like it started losing steam for me when she went to go see the CEO of Mattel right and then she like stopped by that closet that turned into a kitchen with Ruth and I was like uh okay (laughs) So it doesn't take a lot for me to get distracted, but I was definitely not not as interested as it was in, um, in the second half as I was in the first half. The thing about it, too, is right. The how they kind of draw the parallel between Barbie land and the real world. Right. Barbie land is a representation of the Barbies that are out in the real world. I guess it's it's implied that they have a connection to their owner in the real world. Right. Yeah. And then because America for her character starts playing with her daughter's Barbies and she starts thinking, you know, about death. And, you know, she's she's at that, I guess, a midlife crisis. And, and she's thinking about depressed Barbie and ordinary. And it kind of flows into um, stereotypical Barbie where she starts thinking those thoughts. And that's what starts this whole thing and creates a, a portal into the real world. That part of it was strange. And then also the Will Ferrell playing the CEO of Mattel and they know about the Barbie land and, and what it represents. It, it was kind of, I get it. This is kind of a fantasy, fantastic it's for the kids. De- depiction yeah, of it's it. It's definitely but, a make-believe movie. For right. Sure. But I also, but I think the Le- Lego movie kind of tackled it more realistically, right? Because once again, the movie is unfolding as how, this kid is imagining this world and he's imagining how he plays with Legos. And then at the end of it, you kind of go into the real world. It makes sense, right? It's not like all of a sudden, oh, we're, we're kind of, it's it's this weird parallel universe. It's like, no, that's just, we've been watching it, you know, and the kid even made a representation, that tube with the Lego pieces in it. Like, that's how you have to get into the real world, right? He throws Emmett through there and he pops out into the real world. I think the only time where you kind of get that weird mix between fantasy and real world is in the real world, Emmett kind of starts to move. But once again, that could just be in the kid's mind. He kind of sees Emmett moving until, right. he, you know, until he could get back to that. Whereas in Barbie, it's just that weird fantasy, real world, and we kind of have to make this multiverse kind of, and it, it Totally, it just doesn't always just sync up nicely like it did in the Lego movie. So I, I, I but, agree that the the kind of the third act did fizzle out. And I mean, yeah, this is a feminist movie, pretty much. I, I would have liked to have seen more interaction with the real world versus the Barbie land world. I thought that's where it was going. And that's some of the best moments of the film. The most uh, comedic moments of the film happen when like, Ken and Barbie are like in the real world, right? I wanted yes. more of that. But then it turned into like, okay, Ken's taking patriarchy back to Barbie land. And it's more about Barbie land versus Ken land, whatever he called it. Exactly. And that's kind of what the whole story went that direction, which is fine. But like, I don't, I don't think it needed to be, to be that. I think, I don't think it was anti-men. It didn't paint men like in the best picture. It kind of made Ken the villain in little, in some respects throughout most of the Just movie. Like the, Toy Story 3. That's Toy why Story 3. I don't, I don't <laughs> like to call Ken the villain. I'm, I call it, I'm trying to call him more of an antagonist, right? Cause yeah. I just think. Yeah, that's a better word for it. But I, I, yeah. I didn't like that as much. I think it could have focused more on like Barbie's impact in the real world yes impact on on girls and empowering girls and that's all fine but making it more about barbie versus ken's point of view too much in barbie land i think that's kind of where they lost me and maybe lost you guys as well but yeah i I kind of i see what you're saying you know yeah i i really wanted and i was hoping they were going to go dive more into what the daughter 
was saying about Barbies and what the Barbies represented to, to her and her her peers, right? Because they all felt the same way about Barbie. They're like, no, Barbie sucks. She's she's not a good influence on on girls. She's very stereotypical, and you know, she is in a box and she fits a certain perspective. And we're we're not like that. We're 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 diverse. We we have different body shapes, and we we want to do what we want to do, and not what the box tells us we should do. And I was hoping that that's where they were going. I think that would have made a lot more interesting film, probably a lot harder film to write and make into a narrative and make it have broad mass appeal. But I think that's the movie I would have liked to have seen. Yeah, I think we all agree. Yeah. And I think unlike other movies we've done on the podcast, this movie did, even though we don't all maybe agree with the direction it went, there was a clear overarching uh, vision and tone for the film. There was creative choices that were made that were consistent, which is fine. That, that, that's probably what makes the movie like a well put together film that is a good film, but you might not as enjoy it as much as some other films, as opposed to you don't like movies that are just all over the place, like you know some of the other films we talked about on this podcast. So I do appreciate, I guess, the way it was put together the vision they put out there and the message they try to put out there and the layers they, they put into the film, even though I don't think they were the best choices, I do appreciate making choices and putting that out there together as a, a finished product that has some, some polish to it, you know, not just like thrown together, try to appeal to everybody. And like, there's, you don't know which direction it's going. Like it wasn't, right. a, it wasn't a mess. We use that word mess no. a lot. And sometimes this was not a mess of a film. It definitely was well thought out in its direction. Yeah, I think you, you said the key word, like they made a certain choice right. about this movie, about what direction it was going to, but they stuck with that choice. And Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach wrote a story based on that choice. I think we would have liked to have seen another direction and another choice made for the movie. It wasn't a mess. It didn't try to be everything or try to do too many things at once. It, it made a choice to go to take this course and it stuck through with it. And I think they did a good job for that course that that movie took. I think the direction was great. I, there was a lot of things that I just, you know, visually, a lot of the script was clever. I thought, you know, especially Margot Robbie as Barbie, who showed a lot of range in this movie. You would think, oh, she's playing Barbie, but Margot Robbie is just an amazing actress. She had to show a lot of range for this. You know, her depiction of stereotypical Barbie was far from stereotypical. She showed a lot of emotion. She showed a lot of angst. She showed a lot of just being in that nether region of existentialism where she just has no idea what her life is. You know, it's all of a sudden been thrown into a big question mark. Ken his character is a little bit more two-dimensional than Barbie's, but I think Ryan Gosling, with the material that he wrote, he did an awesome job. You know, he kind of portrayed, I think Ken was meant to be kind of flat and two-dimensional. Even that, having Ryan Gosling, who I also think is an amazing actor, you know, he he gave Ken some charisma and some heart. He, and he is my I think, favorite part of the movie, I think. Ken, Ken, uh, there's a lot of Ken, I should say. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Gosling's Ken was the funniest person in the movie, I think. Even like just the way he like said things or his expressions when he was saying things, maybe he wasn't trying to be funny, but it was clearly like a comedic element of the film. Yeah, I think he was the highlight for me in the movie. Margot Robbie had more depth, but like Ryan Gosling was, was funny. Yeah, to add to that, I like the dynamic the three Kens had, like with Simu and Kingsley. I thought the three of them were kind of funny together. Yeah, yes. You couldn't have been too upset that Ryan Gosling Ken was half naked most of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty ripped. He he he, de he, he definitely yes, he definitely did not eat any cookies during the no, he this movie. Yeah, so he, I think his his BMI index had to have been under one percent. You think know what? He didn't ounce of fat on him. He didn't have a penis though, so I mean that's it's <laughs> all for nothing. Right. There are times when I was looking at Ryan and I was like, "Is that CGI? Like, are his abs actually like that? Is that possible?" Yeah, so, are his biceps that cut? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, is that humanly possible? It's Kenly possible. I guess that's what we should say. I think we need He's to bring. Kenneth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, Kenneth. and I actually like that it ever mentioned that shirt. But when he was wearing it at the end, I actually laughed. I was like, oh, that's great. You know, <laughs> where it said, "I'm Kenneth," or yeah. "I'm Kenneth." So I thought. Just that it's just was like sheeple. Yes, I thought that was great. So yeah, and that song I, that he sang—I forget the lyrics right Ken. now, but it was—is I'm just Ken, and like yes. I don't know, it was a, it was a funny part of the film. I like. And that. actually, can we just talk about for a second? It's not in the notes, but I'm going to bring it up. 
the Billie Eilish song for this movie, What I Was Made For, you know, and there's notes of it throughout the entire movie. And there's the scene when she is with Ruth, the inventor of Barbie, and they start to sing that. I just think that song, when a songwriter is given the task of writing a song for a movie, a lot of times the song might have nothing to do with the movie, right? And it's just something that they put together that sounds good. And it might even get an Academy Award. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's a great song, but it, it doesn't encompass the movie in any way. And I thought Billie Eilish's song perfectly encompassed the tone of the movie, right? Yeah. And Barbie. I'm sure that it'll get an Academy Award nomination, but darn it, it should win. Win. When you think about a song that represents the movie, that song perfectly represents what was going on in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. It it really, um, it sticks with you. It's kind of haunting. Well, Billie Eilish's voice in general is haunting. I think we've kind of like moved away from those songs that really encompass the spirit of a movie and kind of are an extension of the movie. And this right. one definitely hit all the right notes. No pun intended. Yeah. I think Lizzo, Lizzo had a song at the beginning too. I mean, this is a borderline musical. Songs and singing in the movie. I wouldn't, it's probably not a musical quote unquote officially, but it felt pretty close to one with everything that was in, in, encompassed in the movie with the, the songs and the singing and the themes. Oh, even the song that the Kens are singing to the Barbies, you know, when the Barbies are distracting them and they're singing on the beach. Yes. Even that song is perfectly, it's a perfect song for what they're, they're saying in that particular scene in the movie, right? It's just their idea of patriarchy and they're singing this like, oh, we're going to sing this song to impress you. But it's also a very demeaning song for women. I'm going to sing this song for the next four and a half hours minutes and look uncomfortably <laughs> into your eyes and, is that when he's playing the guitar all the kids yes the when they're all playing and i just thought oh perfect that the perfect song choice you don't own me we might change yeah yeah we just might feel yeah i think that just goes to greta gerwig just her direction I think she definitely had a vision for this movie and and she did a great job. She she did. You know, she she hit everything she wanted to hit for this. And I think we all agree it probably wasn't the choice we would have made for the movie, but the choices that she wrote her and Noah Baumbach, they did a great job. I yeah, think they're they, well defined. They it, were it, they were integrated perfectly. I thought I'm I'm on board with that. A question I have though is like I'm, I'm trying to still wrap my head around it. So what is the the message of Barbie? Is it girl power? Is it like, you know, we're against the patriarch? What, what are we supposed to come away with? And what, what's our lesson to learn from this movie? That's yeah, Aaron. Right. That's that's why it, it lost steam. Like, I was just like, really? You're what's the moral of the story? A, like gynecologist appointment when you said you don't have lady parts? What does well, that I mean? Think, I, think, I think that was the joke. <laughs> is the fact. Here's what I took away from the movie. I think... What's the moral of the story, Troy? What, what Greta Gerwig wanted, her, her vision of Barbie in this movie was... She, just like everybody in real life, we start to think, you know, the older we get, we start to think more about the meaning of life and, and our mortality and what it means to be alive and what it means, you know, who we are in society and in the world. And I think that's that's the choice that she made. She's like, okay, I'm going to explore. Barbie has had this one perspective. She's lived in this one land where, you know, everybody's beautiful and everybody's happy and everybody has what they want. But then nobody thinks about death. You know, there's that portal created with the real world where all of a sudden these thoughts encroach on her and she starts thinking about oh how, where do i belong in this world why why am i here what was i made for like the song says at the end you know we find out okay i i want to be a real person i want to be somebody who comes up with ideas i don't want to be the idea i want to be a human that was i think that was the message at the end of it barbie didn't want to be a plaything. she wanted to be almost a thing that does the playing like she wants to find out what it means to be truly alive and, and not just a plaything. and you know step one what's what's the number one thing about being alive you make babies so she goes to the gynecologist she wants to be a real boy 
our real yeah. girl. We're a real woman in this choice. She wants real lady parts. Yeah. That's my yeah. take on it. I don't know, but then what about the whole part about like the patriarchy versus like bar- the Barbies? You know, are they kind of are they tr- is she trying to portray a film that is against masculinity too in some respects? Well, um, I don't know. I think it is in Barbie Land. Barbie Land is is Barbie Land. That's why it's called that. It's it's about Barbies. It's not about the Kens. Ken was created for Barbie. And even at the end of the movie, they're like, Barbie tells him, it's like, hey, your existence isn't defined by me. You are who you are, who you want to be. You're, you are Ken and Ken is you. And you are not, you know, a part of me. Even though that's what you're created for, the moral of the story is that you are Ken. And I'm not going to treat you as a Ken anymore, as an accessory. I'm going to treat, you know, you, you're free to be your own person. That's what I took away from it. I think that was the overarching message for Mm -hmm. the Barbie land and the the resolution at the end there, because Barbie didn't want to be part of that anymore. She's like, Hey, I, I actually want to go out into the real world and Ken, you, you'll be fine without me. You don't need me to be Ken. You're Kenneth. So you're Kenneth. So Ken lives happily ever after. I guess he realized that he is Kenneth and Barbie goes back to the real world to be a real person, get real lady parts. I and I do think one thing I do appreciate about the direction that Greta is that she stayed true to that. Another not as confident filmmaker would have made, oh yeah, you know, Ken and Barbie get together and they live happily ever after, right? That's the whole moral of this story and i like the fact where you know where ken was even at the end he was still trying to kiss barbie right and he was still trying to make out (laughs) and barbie's like no and i think mattel was very brave to let greta gerwig have her vision and not try to poke too much because i think if it was just mattel making the decision they would have been like no ken and barbie belong to to each other they're meant to be together and and they have to be together at the end of it it's true i do appreciate the fact that they Mattel let Greta Gerwig have her vision and say like, no, Ken is his own person and Barbie wants to be her own person. So. Thanks, Will. <laughs> Thanks, Will Farrell, with your pink tie and get me, tickle me, tickle me. Yeah. <laughs> did, did they even really do anything once the the CEO and you know the the suits got to the Barbie Land? Did they serve a purpose there? I don't really know. No. Then they kind of left and I don't know. Yeah. They were probably the weakest part of the movie. They had to kind of be there to explain what was going on. Yeah, because once they kind of went to Barbie Land, they kind of disappeared until the very end. I mean, they were he was there to just kind of explain things at the end and explain things at the beginning, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, I was thinking maybe we'll get a sequel. Like once Barbie, you, know, Barbie you think the... we're gonna get a sequel? We are yeah. definitely getting a sequel. Mm. Barbie. The movie the made one point four billion dollars, and you know what? I guarantee you the sequel is gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you, Greta Gerwig probably won't do it. She probably um, won't do it. No, she got other things to do. Um, but people will see it. It's if Margot Robbie's back and she has a vagina now, who's not going to want to go see oh, that? Oh, they're going to pay her a lot of money. They're going to pay Ryan a lot. Of, I'm, I'm sure they already got paid a lot of money for this movie. I'm sure they were smart enough to take a percentage off the back end. So they, they're already very happy. And I'm sure their contracts already said, if we make a sequel, you have to be in it. And they're like, sure. Yeah. So Aaron, I just. Are you, are you in for a sequel, Aaron? No. You don't want to see you're done with the Barbie? You want to see uh, something else? Yeah. How about He-Man? Can we get a He-Man, like Zack Snyder He-Man, so I can kind of like get my juices flowing again with some uh, some masculine testosterone, you know? We already had some G.I. Joe movies that were not very good. Is yeah. He-Man the one with Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, well, that yes. yeah. He-Man was portrayed by Dolph Lundgren in, it was called Masters of the Universe. I do like that movie. Let's just get that out there. It's a part of my Oh my gosh, you like that movie? <laughs> it's not a good movie, but I liked it as a, as a child. Right. Oh, the the special effects in that movie are so bad. The I costumes know. are so bad in that movie. But to a to a six seven year old, it was pretty okay. cool. Okay. Okay. He man. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just throwing an example out there. Give me a He-Man with like a, a, a good director, like a Zack Snyder. Let's go the opposite direction. That's- After the success of Barbie, Mattel is saying, yes, I guarantee you there's probably a He-Man script out there already circulating and, and getting polished and Who'd be so, He-Man? I, I don't know. At one point, I think that Brad Pitt was going to do a He-Man movie, but that was 20 years ago. He's too old now. I think it's got to be one person. Who? Ryan Gosling? Chris Hemsworth. He's too oh, similar yeah. to Thor, though. I don't know if he could do both. 
What about but, John Senna? But uh, yeah. he's too old too. I think he might. To... Yeah, he's a little old. Or you know who it could be? The guy. What's his name? Alan Richson, the guy who plays Reacher. Okay, you, you watch I haven't show? seen Reacher. I haven't seen Reacher right. on Amazon, right? Yes, but he's a big boy. Yeah, he's, and he's, he's blonde. somebody, somebody big. Uh, yeah, look him up on the internet, there, Aaron. I think you'll agree that mm. he could be a good He-Man. I think he would definitely fit the bill. And yeah. I also have a feeling. I don't know. There might be this trend now where the corporations that own these properties that own these toys don't want just giant commercials right maybe they're like oh we want something that gives it a little bit more meaning and represents the spirit that represents the spirit of the toys yeah because i don't think transformers and gi joe those are pretty much just straight action films and i don't think i don't even think they're meant to portray the spirit yeah. of, of the toy. I don't, I don't think guys want to go to like a Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man film and like talk about their feelings. Exactly. Know? I think you know? they, but, or but just, but you know, what do they represent? They just represent, yeah, just destruction, super masculinity, yeah. right? And the, the good guys win. But that, so. all, that, all that being said, I am not an anti-feminist. I think, <laughs> I believe, I love women. I love my wife. I love, yeah, I believe in girl power. You know, I believe in equality. You know, I, I don't think women should be put in a box and just be in the kitchen or whatever. I love being in the kitchen too. I'm not a very big, a good cook or I don't cook as much, but I can clean the hell out of some dishes. So you're a good dishwasher yeah all that you know i'm just trying to let you know that i'm not anti well i think you're a better dishwasher than barbie because i don't think barbie washes dishes <laughs> there's no dishwasher barbie like, like oh the, i'm sh- the cold shower yes <laughs> i think there there's probably a dishwasher in the barbie dream house whether it actually can clean dishes or you just pretend pull it out who knows I thought that was very clever in the movie, too, where how when she was taking a shower and nothing was really coming out. And I thought that, you know, and then when she went to the real world and she took the sip of the water, water. she dumps. I thought very clever. (laughs) Yes. Very funny. So she's like, I'm not used to stuff being in the cup. (laughs) Um, Good stuff, everybody. Aaron, uh, thank you for being here. Any any final thoughts, any final thoughts on on Barbie and and what it meant to you and what you experienced when viewing the film? Actually, Aaron, I want to you said you saw it twice and you had to why did you have to see it twice well i thought i saw it twice the second time being with Bryn. Mm-hmm. first time okay. i saw it with a girlfriend in theaters and yeah i just sat down and watched it with Bryn. so that was my second time so the the first time you saw it in theaters with your friend was your friend was she want to see it more than you did or did you actually really want to see this movie no not like neither one of us was dying to see it. we were just dying to get out of the house i think okay <laughs> And your like, mom's just looking to get out of the house. Yeah. Girls Barbie. We were like, yeah, let's do it. Leave the men at home with the kids and let's do it. So okay. that's that's what we did. And we had some laughs in there because we were like a couple glasses of wine deep. So we were just like laughing. Probably <laughs> what, the loudest in the theater at the beginning. Was there a lot of people in the theater? Was there a lot of younger it was, girls? It was, or? A, it was a pretty eclectic crowd meaning like there were some middle-aged people and then there were some some kids in there too and did anybody dress up i don't think so but we we both wore pink yeah you gotta wear pink right yeah Yeah. she didn't even go opening weekend i think it was still three or four weeks old well it's for my birthday she took me out for my birthday yeah in august yeah but still i'm sure a very packed theater and popular all that stuff i think we can all agree that the movie was well done good movie maybe we don't agree with some of the creative choices but what the hell do we know? It made $1.4 billion. I'm sure exactly. Greta Gerwig did exactly the right thing, whatever it was, because, yeah, don't take our advice. Take my advice on some Marvel stuff or some DC stuff, but, like, I don't know. I'm just spitballing on Barbie. I mean, she knows what she's doing, apparently. But the the best part of the movie was the song, theme song. Yes. Thank you, Billie Eilish. Yes. I, I think I can just listen to that song and I will get everything I need to from the movie based on mm-hmm. that song. The lyrics are just perfect. And I know she wrote it with her brother and it's just crazy how, because Billie Eilish is young as well. And yeah. just the, the fact that they found, you know, lyrics that really resonated and represented the spirit of the movie. I'm saying it like it's easy to write a song, but it's not. I don't think it's easy to write a song. And they just, yeah. they knocked it out of the park with that song. Yeah, there, there, there's some good ones. Agreed. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was Barbie, everybody. I mean, we have delivered to our listeners 
They were asking for Barbie. We delivered Barbie. We gave you Barbie. We brought in our special lovely guest, Aaron Mercado, to the show. It's been awesome. Thank you for being here. Aaron, uh, what, so yeah, what'd you think? I, do you want to come back? Or would, would you be willing to do oh, another episode? You will come back. I would love to come back. Well, too bad we're not inviting you. <laughs> <laughs> not for, um, what's it called? Not for Die Hard. For our, our next our next movie. Not yeah. for Die Hard. If, yeah. if we ever decide to do Eclops, maybe we'll bring you on for that one. <laughs> Got to do all five movies. That's right. <laughs> Bryn, have you ever, have you seen any of the Twilight movies? Oh, I've seen all the Twilight movies. Okay. Yes. From start to finish. Yes, I yes. have. Come on. <laughs> this Come on. Me, so I'm born in a, in a barn. I've seen the Twilight movies. Who Just, made you see those? No, you did a few of them. I saw a couple of them before Aaron, and I saw some of them after Aaron, of course. Okay. Did not read well, the book, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, but Aaron, it was a lot of fun, and I hope you are willing to do another one if we find a movie that you would like to talk about. Yes, yeah. of course. I would love to come back on. Come back. Tell your friends about Popcorn Society. Tell all your friends. Well, spread the word. Spread the word. Post it yes. on your Yes, we, we need two more listeners. Yep. <laughs> Every I'll listener. More than two. Ooh, more than two. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. Awesome. This has been great. We're getting close. Not getting close. We're, we are in the holiday season. So we're going to tee up our next episode here. And I'm excited about it because there's a debate to be had. And Troy and I will have this debate. The holidays are upon us. We are going to talk about the one, the only Die Hard on the next episode featuring Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, a very tall building, lots of guns. And we will talk about the debate of is this a Christmas movie or not? Troy, don't tell me the answer. But uh, are you looking forward to doing some Die Hard on Popcorn Society? Oh, I'm so I love this movie, this movie, especially the fact that we live here in Southern California and I can see the Nakatomi building, even though it's the the Century City, 20th Century Fox building. I just love the fact that I can see that every day on my drive. You see it every day on your drive? Well, I used to when I lived in Beverly Hills or when I worked in Beverly Hills, I would drive by it every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Beverly Hills is right next to Century City. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that Alan Rickman, like S- Professor Snape. That's right. In- Wait, what? That's right. What? She, what? She has not. I haven't seen it. She hasn't seen Dire. She will watch so it. Obviously, on, the villain, right? She, he is the villain. Yes, she will watch oh. it on our, on our viewing, and I'll give her some Die Hard education, Troy. Yes, please give her some Die Hard education. Yeah, Rick, Alan Rickman. You shouldn't have just admitted on the podcast that you. Didn't know Alan Rickman was in Die Hard. That was... I know we, that that's almost like disqualifies you from doing any more popcorn society. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a learning experience okay, for I'll you. Find a Barbie podcast centric um, out there, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, boys of our girl, all, boys of all girls, boys, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. It's late. Wait, what's what's the phrase? the fixer upper fix it all better fix it all better we're gonna fix it all better better, boys of all girls you sheeple out there popcorn society listener sheeple uh hey it's been a great one hour or so of talking and listening we will see you next time until then troy you keep popping my friend no kernel left unpopped no kernel left behind and bye bye aaron snap 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 bye aaron Bye. bye everybody Taking a drive, hours a night, he'll look so alive. Turns out I'm not real, just something you paid for.